This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Type 2 diabetes used to be practically unheard of in people under 30, and that almost all children with diabetes suffered from the type 1 form of the disease. But type 2 diabetes isn't just for adults anymore. In fact, the number of children and adolescents with the condition, most of whom are diagnosed within their early teen years, has skyrocketed within the last 20 years prompting the journal Diabetes Care to call it an emerging epidemic. We'll hear with more on all of this is Dr. Roberto Izquierdo, Professor of Medicine and, Diabe- and Pediatrics at Upstate Medical University and the Division Chief of Pediatric Endocrine and Diabetes at Upstate's Joslin Diabetes Center. Welcome. Thanks for coming in, Dr. Thank Izquierdo. Thank you. Good morning. So type 2 diabetes is now a disease of children. Explain that. Yeah, we're seeing it much more frequently in, uh, in teenagers. Uh, and, uh, and this coincides with the rise in uh, the obesity epidemic that we're seeing. I read somewhere that it was less than 5% in 1994, and now it's nearly 20% of all, newborn, uh, of all newly diagnosed cases of the disease are among youth. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the statistics tell us. I, I could tell you from personal experience, when I was an endocrine fellow like 20 years ago, we only had like maybe one patient a year that we saw, and now we see maybe uh, in this area uh, uh, up to maybe 20 or 30 patients per year, whereas, uh, um, but in larger cities, it's mu- much more common. So it really is growing, and you l- alluded to why it's happening. But before we get there, mm-hmm. help us understand for the benefit of our listeners the difference between type 1 diabetes and type 2. Well, in, uh, in type 1 diabetes, the main uh, defect is lack of insulin secretion. Uh, insulin is a hormone which is like uh, that produced by the pancreas, which is uh, circulates through the blood and it's like a key in, in the sense that it opens the door for the sugar in the blood to enter the cells to be metabolized for, uh, for, uh, 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 for energy. Uh, so in type 1, there's no um, insulin production, um, whereas in type 2, there is insulin production, but the main uh, problem lies in the cells themselves. They don't accept the insulin as well. As a result, then the, uh, uh, the uh, blood sugar accumulates. Uh, so in, in type 1, you're really fully insulin dependent, so you need to be giving yourself insulin shots or some yeah. kind of a pump, or you basically require insulin from the outside. But in type 2, that isn't the case. No, since they produce insulin, um, uh, we are, uh, uh, we're able to treat it in different ways, whereas, uh, 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 um, like, uh, for example, with type 1, if you don't receive insulin, um, you could get very awfully sick because you start producing um, some chemicals called ketones from fat metabolism, and those ketones can make you very sick because they're acidic. Whereas in type 2, because you produce some insulin, you don't uh, get, those ketones do not rise to a very high levels. As a consequence, you're, um, you're, you're a little bit protected from uh, those uh, severe acute complications. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about treatment in a second, but why is it happening now that so many kids are being yeah. you know, diagnosed with type 2? You mentioned it, obesity. Is that the main Yeah, type 2, force? I think, is, um, it, is associated with obesity and, and, uh, and, and also inactivity. I think we all have become, well, uh, many of us have become more overweight, 
uh, and also less active. Uh, yeah, and, and I read the, something interesting that I had never yeah. known before that somehow that scientists have found that certain fat cells are metabolically active and secrete chemicals that raise inflammation levels in the body, and they basically contribute to an increased fat in the liver, and that creates insulin resistance. Yes. And that happens a lot because if you don't have ex either in the obesity factor mm -hmm. and also if you don't exercise, that exercise also makes the cells more receptive to insulin. That's right. Exercise uh, is very important. Um, uh, and, and it's able to overcome that insulin resistance. So uh, weight loss, and or at least in children since they're growing, weight maintenance, and uh, exercise, increased physical activity, you're able to uh, reduce the insulin resistance. And Has there also been an increase in type 1 diabetes in children, you've said? Yeah, yeah there is. There's a yeah, dramatic increase in type 1, too. Uh, it has been increasing by 3 to 5% per year. And there was a study from Philadelphia uh, in which uh, they, they studied the increased incidence uh, from 1985, 1985 to 1989, and there was an increase of about 29% from uh, several decades before. And this is when you have total insulin, de mm -hmm. insulin dependence. Why do you think this is happening? Uh, you know, we, we're not completely sure. Uh, there are several hypotheses. Um, one is... Uh, one actually links it to the rise in obesity, too. Like you mentioned, the uh, inflammatory uh, uh, chemicals or cytokines, and these chemicals then can damage the beta cell and it trigger an autoimmune response. So in that's the pancreas. In the so pancreas. the pancreas stops producing. It stops producing. And there's some other hypotheses uh, called um, the hy um, hygiene hypotheses where um, since our environment is cleaner overall, uh, we're, our immune system is not, um, let's say, uh, strengthened uh, at a young age uh, by exposure to certain germs. And as a result, we become more susceptible to autoimmune diseases. That's very interesting because of recently I've heard that hygiene hypothesis used in a lot of yeah. explanations. The idea that as the, 20, the 21st century now has become, we've mm. become a, a society of cleanliness, at least when you compare us to the other, you know, the third world countries and the rest yes. of the world, and that many of our children as a result are kept so clean and in a way their immune system doesn't have the opportunity to develop itself in practice yeah. Yeah. as the child grows. And the idea is that then it turns on itself and develops basically these autoimmune diseases. Right. Yeah, and diabetes is one of them. It's one of them. Asthma is another one. Asthma. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's, and also, this was in context of things like peanut allergies and mm -hmm. other kinds of foodborne allergies, yeah. but it's very, very interesting yeah. hypothesis. So I think we got to let our children play in the mud. Play <laughs> in the mud. <laughs> if you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm Linda Cohen here along with endocrinologist Dr. Roberto Izquierdo, and we're talking about diabetes in children, both type 1 and type 2. So let's get back to type 2 for a second. Are there certain populations who are more prone to this problem? Yeah, uh, you know, it's, mo it's much more common in uh, Latinos, African-Americans, South, A uh, South uh, Asians. Um, Asian-Americans. Asian-Americans. So, so they uh, are more prone. And another very important role is family history. So if, um, if, if the child is obese 
and has a family history, and in particular belongs to one of these ethnic groups, then the chances of diabetes is much higher. So there's almost like a three strikes against you right. based on what yes. you just said. Um, what are the warning signs? I mean, how does someone know, if as a parent perhaps, that their child might be showing signs of diabetes, either type 1 or type 2? Yeah, yeah the warning signs are similar for both. Uh, uh, and include like excessive thirst, uh, drinking a lot of water, urinating a lot, getting up at night to urinate or bedwetting in a child, uh, and weight loss. So diabetes is very uh, out of control. You, you lose weight. There's some. Is there some skin condition also that's a diagnostic there indicator is, for type two? Yeah, there is a skin condition. Um, is uh, insulin resistance causes a thickening of the back of the neck so you get this little thick area that's darker than the rest of the skin and it's like velvety um, some people think it's dirt but it's not um, so in fact that can be an indicator and too. that could be an indicator too um basically how you go about doing the diagnosis then yeah we diagnose uh type 2 through a blood test so we could either uh, the best blood test is a fasting blood sugar um in, in adults, we often also use the hemoglobin A1C, which is a test that measures the amount of sugar attached to the hemoglobin in the red blood cells, which I think is useful too in kids and adolescents because if it's very high, that indicates that your sugars are high. So who do you think, I mean, basically, who should be screened or tested? Yeah, we... Is that these populations we were talking about? Yeah, we recommend... Um, you know, the American Diabetes Association recommends testing um, children and adolescents who are uh, overweight, uh, who have, and that means that their weight is over, their BMI, a body mass index, is over the 85th percentile. Body mass index yeah. over the 30, 30%. 30th percentile. I'm sorry, over the 95th, 90, 90, 85th percentile. Over the 85th percentile. Yeah, the BMI, the BMI, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, or if they're, you know, very overweight, if there's a family history of diabetes, and then if, if they belong to one of these uh, ethnic groups. Native Americans, Latinos, you know, African Americans, Asian Americans, yeah. and I read somewhere Pacific Islanders Pacific as well. Pacific Islanders, yeah. And also, I think, uh, and also there's certain as, uh, conditions associated with obesity or uh, which we talked about the skin condition. So if you have, if you notice, if the doctor or, or their primary care provider notices that, those findings, um, they should test. So they, I saw some kind of a recommendation by the American Diabetes Association, as you said, that overweight children with at least two risk factors should be given a fasting blood sugar every two years beginning at age 10? That's correct, yeah, that's. So what, what are the kinds of consequences that come with type 2 diabetes, yeah. both in terms of the, the kinds of various symptomatology that you mm -hmm. were talking about but also in terms of the long-term consequences. Yeah, I mean, type 2 is a very serious disease um, because you, you can have lack of uh, symptoms uh, or minimal symptoms. Lack of awareness. Lack then. of awareness and still m manage okay, but the high sugars are causing damage. So uh, long-term uh, damage from the high blood sugars include kidney damage and leading to renal failure, uh, nerve damage, which then leads to lack of sensation in the feet, which can lead to amputation, and, eye dam uh, and damage to the vessels in the back of the eye, the retina, and that could lead to blindness. So, uh, And then also uh, in young women, uh, it does increase uh, 
the incidence of fetal loss, so and miscarriages. So, so uh, it's really important to diagnose mm-hmm. and basically be aware if you right. are, if you do have type 2 right. diabetes, mm-hmm. as you said, it could be more silent. It's not as obvious, perhaps, as type 1, That's where you're correct. totally yeah. insulin dependent. Yeah. So what are the kinds of treatments? Yeah, the treatments, I mean, the most is uh, uh, lifestyle intervention is very important. So we try to minimize the screen time in, uh, to maybe two hours per day. So, that so they'll get out and move. And move, yeah, activity about one hour per day. And that could be any activity that the child enjoys, swimming, dancing, um, tennis, whatever, uh, basketball. And then, um, and then we have the patients see, and the families too, see a dietitian uh, review portion control to try to achieve uh, weight maintenance or weight loss. So those are the more important things that you don't need to be giving insulin at the er, in the early stages mm-hmm. if you can control it through lifestyle. That's correct. If 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 the our presentation is mild, the disease is mild, we can control it with lifestyle changes. And then also there's medications like metformin that's very useful. And metformin is a medicine that works on the liver to decrease uh, the output of glucose. Now uh, and. And those two medications, I mean, if the lifestyle and, and metformin doesn't work, then we often add insulin. You might have to at some you point. In the very little bit of time we have left, what is the Joslin Diabetes Center offering today that's different? Uh, well, we're, uh, or I mean, we're offering a whole variety of services, uh, which include dietary intervention. Uh, uh, um, we have... Uh, several great nurse educators that works with the families and the patient. We also have social work, social ser- social services, which I, we find very useful. Um, and then we have, uh, especially for the type 1, we have programs like pump orientation class, um, preparation for college. All uh, kinds of things to get yeah. both types of children with both types of problems back on the right track. That's correct. So I understand that right now the Joslin Center has expanded some of the offerings that you've been doing. Tell us about that. Yeah, we've been very fortunate, and and University Hospital and and SUNY has, uh, 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 and the Department of Medicine and Pediatrics have allowed us to expand uh, uh, our physical physical footprint. Mm -hmm. So we have a whole wing dedicated to 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 the children and adolescents. So we have... uh, ten new exam rooms. It's very spacious and uh, and very bright. So it's uh, uh, we. So I think uh, it allows us to see more patients uh, more, more efficiently. Uh, and especially with this growing need, with more and yeah. more children having both type one and type two diabetes, I would think a pediatric approach is very, very important. And, uh, that is very important. Yeah. Well, thanks so much okay. for coming in. I appreciate it. My guest has been Dr. Roberto Izquierdo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at Upstate Medical University, and the division chief of pediatric endocrine and diabetes at Upstate's Joslin Diabetes Center. Thanks so much. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air.